Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Taglier. You can follow us on Twitter at Bobby Fantasy Pro and at Mike Taglier NFL. And uh, Tags, how's it going, man? It's going good. I mean, it's been better. I, I just did a live stream where I just got like totally like taken advantage of by some uh, followers. But that, so outside of that, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Guys, here's the plan for today, okay? wide receiver tiers, and that's it. We're going to dive really deep into wide receivers, uh, comprehensively cover the position. We've got the perfect guest for it. It's Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports and creator of Reception Perception. Now, Matt, you've done some exceptional work in the football space, but maybe my favorite thing I've seen is your story about, you know, and it's, it's pinned on your Twitter, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, is your story about changing your lifestyle and losing nearly 100 pounds. That is incredible, Matt. Well, thank you so much, number one, for having me on the podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for the kind words. You know, that's it's important, I think, to, to talk about stuff like that because it's it's something that a lot of people go through. It's something that a lot of people deal with. And I think that, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to have the platform that I do, you know, however small that might be and minuscule in the grand scheme of things. I'm very fortunate to have it and, and therefore feel pretty obligated to talk about uh, things like that. So, yeah, I appreciate anyone who reads that and checks it out. And I really actually just honestly hope that it uh, helps people out there. Exactly. You know, and Tags, I know you've accomplished something similar in the last few years and good for you guys. I really hope that this can serve as some kind of motivation for anyone listening to the podcast to finally take that leap to make themselves healthy. It's a big deal, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's one of those toughest things to like, you know, to work on changing yourself. It's, you know, it's something that's bigger than, you know, than, than fantasy football. It just takes a lot of uh, motivation and uh, you got to stick to it, man. So guys, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking wide receivers a lot today. I've really been looking forward to this show just because there's so many players we haven't exactly talked about yet. We're going to try to touch on them as many of them as we can. We do have some news to talk about, nothing really major, but uh, just a, cu- a couple pieces that uh, that we'll hit on. First, I want to tell you a little bit about our cheat sheet creator. It is the easiest way to create a cheat sheet for your draft. You can instantly import any rankings from the web or from a spreadsheet on your computer. You can also combine multiple expert cheat sheets into one consensus cheat sheet. So if you really like what Matt's uh, uh, saying you can combine his rankings with the tags and eyes rankings. Make sure to get Sean Corner in there as well. And then you've got consensus cheat sheets from four of your favorite experts. Premium members will also be able to customize rankings through a simple drag and drop interface, create player tiers with the click of a button and import and edit player notes. Rankings can also be exported to Excel or used in our draft simulator and draft assistant. All the customization work you do on your cheat sheet will be leveraged in these integrated draft tools. Guys, check out our cheat sheet creator at fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. Let's talk uh, LaShawn McCoy. I I know we don't really want to touch on this Bills offense because it's just disgusting because somebody's going to be the starter. And because of that, somebody's probably going to be flex flex relevant. Matt, do you think that if LaShawn McCoy is the starter that you wouldn't mind drafting him? Well, I mean, he's so cheap, right? Like, he's consistently available in, like, the ninth, tenth round. Look, he wasn't good last year. We don't expect this Bills offense to be that great. Uh, I mean, he's by far – he's, like, their most expensive player, like I said, and he's going in, like, the ninth or tenth round. So that tells you pretty much all you need to know about how you how we feel like the Bills offense is going to go. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, like, a, a desirable pick, but at the same time, if you can get a solid piece of – you know, a, a starting running back that late, you've got to at least be interested. Now, Tags, I know he didn't really do much last year, but I'm looking at the games, okay? Weeks 1 through 9, they scored 3, 20, 0, 13, 13, 5, 6, and 9 points. Of course he wasn't doing anything, and then he had a great week in there. Can he still get it done, Tags? 
I don't think so. I, I think that they're waiting for an opportunity to trade him, to be honest with you. Like, I don't think that Frank Gore signs with the Bills if if he doesn't have some sort of guaranteed role on the team because he's not going to sit on the bench. Like, you don't sign a contract at 36 knowing you're going to sit on the bench. They drafted Devin Singletary. They signed TJ Yeldon. This is just an ugly backfield where it's like, I don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring team to begin with. So adding in the timeshare aspect of it, I just feel like, it's it's just boring. Uh, I mean, I just it's not to say that that doesn't have a place in fantasy football and like that there's a time for everything, but it's just I don't think you're ever going to win a fantasy championship because you drafted LaShawn McCoy playing for the Bills. Now, if he gets traded, I'm going to take back everything I said. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I know he's over 30 years old and 30 year old running backs don't especially do well, but we're talking about someone who was RB3 in 2016, RB7 in 2017. Obviously, the offense limits his upside, but I think he's still a football player. Uh, he's someone that I wouldn't mind adding late in drafts. There's other guys I like in that range more, though, so I don't have many shares. And now, Cam Newton is someone I've started to come on to a little bit. I actually tweeted out earlier today here's his fantasy finishes when he plays 16 games QB3. QB4, QB3, QB1, QB2, and then through 11 weeks last season before his shoulder acted up, he was QB4 once again. So I've been getting excited, but right now we're seeing Cam Newton is not expected to play in the preseason opener. Does this concern you with his shoulder issues last year? Or do you think this is just, you know, them taking it easy on him, Matt? Yeah, it's, it's them taking it easy on him for sure. I mean, they've been taking it easy on him in training camp too. He's been throwing here and there, but he's also taken some time off, which I think is totally reasonable right like why would you want him out there chucking it a ton if you're trying to keep keep him ready for the season so this is not unexpected to me yeah if he's missing all of preseason maybe that's a little bit more interesting but again I'm I'm really expecting him at most to be out there for game three of the preseason and, and really that's about it exactly and you know the primary reason I brought this up is because I get questions about this every year tags and Matt I'm sure it's the same for you guys where you see these guys not playing in the preseason who had an injury last year and everyone's thinking oh this means they must not be ready to go tags that doesn't really concern you does it no I'm not concerned about that with Newton to me like the concern with Newton to me is like legitimately only losing the rushing upside that he's presented his entire career like I, I know that they're going to try and turn him into more of a passer and you know, if he starts losing that, you know, 500 plus yards rushing and those six touchdowns that he would get like every single year, that's an issue because this is a guy that, I mean, he's thrown for more than 24 touchdowns once. Uh, granted, he has some of the best pass catchers surrounding him that he's ever had. Uh, but, you know, and they're all kind of like usable pieces that it's hard to to kind of game plan against. You can't just stick a, a, a shutdown cornerback on one of them and take him away. Um, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson back. There's just a lot of options here. So he has to step forward as a passer. My concern is just like that fantasy floor that we've always gotten with Cam in that if he, if he takes a step back as a as a mobile quarterback, he's going to lose some of that safety. Like just go back to 2016 when he rushed for it was just 359 yards and five touchdowns. He lost so much upside in fantasy football that year. No one really wanted him the next year. Guys, I thought we were going to be talking about Michael Crabtree today. If you heard that he signed with the Cardinals, that's actually not true. The deal fell through. He doesn't have a team. I don't really even know if he would be fantasy relevant, even on a team like that with a pace uh, as high as the Cardinals plan on running. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, but one player I do want to talk about here is Jalen Samuels, who's been getting a lot of hype. We just did the buy or, or sell the hype show yesterday. We should have talked about Jalen Samuels. I don't know how I missed that. Right now, they're saying that he's going to be a significant part of the offense. I don't know if I buy this, but uh, I like the talent. Matt, what do you think? Are you into this hype? Yeah, I'm open to the possibility because I think just Pittsburgh's offense in general is just so much more up in the air, I think, than we want to talk about. Um, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster is 
established as a really good player. Um, but nevertheless, you know, he is a very different type of receiver than what Antonio Brown was. So I think that matters um, in terms of offensive deployment. They don't really have a proven outside field stretcher at all. I mean, Dante Moncrief was getting some buzz earlier in the offseason, and I think he can certainly play a role out there. James Washington's had an up-and-down offseason. Um, so there's a lot of question marks and the pass-catching group outside of Juju and Vance McDonald over the middle of the field, and even Vance McDonald, you know, you're asking him to do a lot, uh, to be like a featured part, your number two pass catcher, which I think is possible, but still it's, it's a more than we've seen of him at any point in his career. And then in the backfield where Jalen Samuels would fit in, you know, James Conner showed workhorse ability last year, but I don't think that it's totally out of the realm of possibility that Samuels comes in here and does a little bit. So I think he's perfectly fine where he's going in drafts right now as a, as a fine flyer that also has a lot of upside if something happens to Connor. I would agree with that. Now, Tags, uh, Trey Burton has a sports hernia. He's probably not going to play the entire preseason. I know this is someone you wouldn't mind getting. Obviously, you're getting Vance McDonald more often, but um, does this make him undraftable at this point to you? Uh, I mean, it's lowering him down draft boards. Like He's essentially free in drafts right now anyways. You're getting him in the double-digit rounds, so it's something that you want to pay attention to. Um, but he had the sports hernia surgery this offseason, so the fact that he's still dealing with this is a little bit worrisome because he should be fine by now. Uh, but if anything, it just boosts up uh, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and like Tariq Cohen. Those guys are just going to see a little bit more work in the passing game. So if anything, it just helps the other pass catchers. I feel like that the Bears offensive unit is undervalued as a whole. So if you take a little bit away from Trey Burton, you're going to disperse it everywhere else. So if Trey Burton doesn't play week one, how many touchdowns for Adam Shaheen? Two, three? Like five. Yes, <laughs> Adam Sheen. I was so excited when he got drafted, and it uh, obviously did not work out. But he's he's got a, a lot of athleticism, and uh, maybe he can... He's missing practice, though, too, right now. So, I mean, there's a lot up in the air with the Bears tight end situation. Yes, you're right about that. Okay, guys, two more quick pieces. The Colts signed Deontay Foreman. I know a lot of people were drafting him in best ball leagues, and were really excited. And then uh, that, that fell through. I would not draft him with the Colts. I don't know if he's going to be the number two, the number three, maybe not even make the team. Um, obviously coming back from the Achilles is a big deal. And they're saying there's some character issues there as well. So, um, Matt, does Foreman interest you whatsoever? Are you with me on that one? Nope. No interest. Okay. Good deal. And then we'll talk about <laughs> him. Marquis Goodwin, who right now is, you know, not looking very good in 49ers training camp. He's running right now as the wide receiver four, maybe behind Jalen Hurd and Debo Samuel tags. You have a lot of best ball shares of Goodwin as well. At this point, you're not drafting though, right? Uh, I mean, I, th I still think Goodwin has a role on the team. I, I feel like he's the field stretcher there. Debo Samuel's not that guy. Dante Pettis isn't that guy. You know, Trent Taylor, I'm not worried about these guys. Like Jalen Hurd is a, he's a specimen physically, but I don't know if he's ready to play in the NFL in terms of like, he's a raw talent. Like he's got a lot of talent, but he only played wide receiver for one year in college at Baylor. So I'm not, I like Jalen Hurd as a, as a specimen, as a possibility, but I don't think he plays right away. So I don't think you need to draft Goodwin in, in like regular redraft leagues. Like if you're in a best ball league, a 20 rounder, if you want to take a flyer late, I'm still open to that for sure. But uh, yeah, he's I don't, I don't feel the need to roster him in like a 16 man, a 16 roster league. All right, guys, let's jump right into the wide receiver rankings. And if you want to follow along with what we're talking about, you can go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. It's really easy to find. And we're going to be talking about ECR, which is our expert consensus ranking. So we've got uh, over a hundred experts who have given us their rankings. We mash them all together and say, this is what the analysts in the industry as a whole think about the rankings of these wide receivers. We're also going to be talking about ADP, that's average draft position, and how those two vary, but we're going to be breaking them down in tiers. Now, I'm looking right now at, at fantasypros.com slash rankings, and it has a very clear-cut top tier. DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, 
Michael Thomas. Guys, I, I put Tyreek Hill in that conversation. He was the wide receiver one last year in fantasy points overall. Uh, Matt, would you put Hill in that conversation as well? Would you take anybody out? I would put Hill in that conversation. Yeah, to me, he's the top five receiver um, right now. I would have it Devontae Adams, uh, Odell Beckham, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and Tyreek Hill as my wide receiver five. And that, that is my first tier of players. But I, I think there might be a small tier break between three and four, but not, not much. You know, Adams, Adams and, and Beckham and Hopkins are the ones I'd consider in the first round. And then I think those other guys are high second round picks. But yeah, so I, I think that those, even Thomas, I think is wide receiver six and is in that tier as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty cool with that. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I would have Hill there for sure. Tag, same top six, I'm assuming a uh, different order though. Yeah, it's a different order for me. Um, and I like, so me, I actually like Tyreek Hill. He's I, so my, my tiers would be Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. That's the first tier. Like those four, I, I think you can make the argument for any one of those guys to go as the number one receiver. I have Adams personally, but I, I can understand Beckham, all that stuff. But I think the second tier for me is Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, and Juju Smith-Schuster because, like, looking at it, I, I released the series today, boom bust and everything in between on wide receivers, and and so looking at that and knowing the historic season that Patrick Mahomes had last year it would probably surprise people to know that Tyreek Hill was a wide receiver two or better just 50% of the time. So therefore, like, yes, he, he gives you weak winning upside. He absolutely does. Like he has a higher ceiling on a weekly basis, maybe than any other wide receiver in football. However, he also has a floor that's lower than you'd like when you're drafting a wide receiver at that, you know, the top of the second round, I feel like you should be getting a better floor than that. Again, I don't blame people for wanting to take him middle of the second round. I really don't. But just understand you're going to have some up and down performances and you might need to aim for some stability later in drafts. So I love what you said that you've got Devontae Adams ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, Matt. I'm with you. Tags is with you. I think a lot of the more casual fans who are just starting to listen to podcasts uh, this time of the year would be shocked by that. They would probably think he's the number four, five, six wide receiver. Um, right now, he's number two in ECR behind Hopkins. But I like Adams more. Why do you like Adams more than Hopkins? Is it just the situation? Well, for one, he's an elite player at this point. Like, I think he's proven, you know, in reception perception last year, he was, you know, up like a top five all-time score in success rate versus man coverage. He's an elite receiver at this point. He's gone from the literal bottom of the NFL to the top in terms of who he is as a player over the course of his career. You know, Hopkins has been more consistent. He's been more of a metronome, but, and that's not to say that Hopkins is not also an elite player, but the, the reason I break the ties between the two is it does come down to this situation that obviously both are tied to great quarterbacks, um, but if you look at the offensive construction around the players, like right now, Hopkins, theoretically, like get all, all caveats considered that these two players have been unreliable through the course of their small NFL careers. But Will Fuller and Kiki Cutie are going to demand targets. I think that shaves a bit, just a bit off of Hopkins total. And with Adams, everything around Adams right now is a question mark. You know, Adams could easily put, I have him projected to leave the NFL on targets. And I think that's pretty reasonable considering you know, Rodgers loves him. Geronimo Allison, MVS, like all these guys are maybes. They might hit, but Adams is by far the most proven player of this group. And I think he could just absolutely own the target share there in Green Bay. So yeah, when I'm breaking ties, I'm going to go with the elite player that I think could push for more targets than the other. Yeah, I think sometimes people have a hard time separating real life 
from fantasy football. And they look at Hopkins and they say, well, this is the most talented wide receiver in the world. And I would agree with that. I mean, he didn't drop a single pass. He had a much longer average depth of target, uh, which makes it more more difficult to catch all those passes. And Hopkins caught so many of them. I mean, he dominated in the playoffs with torn ligaments in his shoulder. But what it comes down to is besides that, Adams was the number one fantasy receiver in fantasy points per game last year. He has a better surrounding quarterback. He's got more expected volume because you mentioned those wide receivers they've got in Houston are better than the ones they have in Green Bay. Adams is better in the red zone. He's got double-digit touchdowns three straight years. So yeah, I think it's Adams. But for me, I've got my number one wide receiver as Julio Jones. He's very durable. And DeAndre Hopkins has never had as many receiving yards in one season as Jones has averaged in the past five years. Yeah, that's why this is this comes back to what I was saying about like this this tier of wide receivers. I can make the case for any of them. And even though Beckham's going to a new offense with a new quarterback, he's getting an upgraded quarterback with Baker Mayfield. And like what he's done with Eli Manning throughout his career is just remarkable. Uh, so yeah, I mean Odell Beckham's like like even even his rookie year, people could talk about you know being in a new system with a new quarterback developing that chemistry. Remember, don't let's not forget that Odell Beckham missed. Uh, I think it was the first four or six weeks of his rookie season dealing with that hamstring issue and then walked in and just dominated right away. So Odell Beckham, you can make the case for him. Like, I think your draft position determines who you're going to be drafting among these guys. Agree. You know, I, I would go as far as saying I think Odell Beckham, Matt, you had him number two, which kind of surprised me because I haven't heard that as much. But I could definitely see the case for having him number one. I would argue that he has the best chance of finishing as the wide receiver one of anyone in football. Now, I've got him wide receiver four just because he's had the soft tissue issues in the past. And there's a little bit more of what's going to actually happen in Cleveland than there is in the other situations. But I absolutely love his upside. You look at what he's done per 16 games throughout his career, 106 receptions, 1,485 yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, guys, if he plays 16 games, that's wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Yeah, he has an unbelievable ceiling. And that's what I think. Sometimes in fantasy, it pays off to just imagine the most you know, unimaginable outcome. And with Beckham, I think we're seeing a, hist- a legendarily talented wide receiver, you know, both from a film and a stats perspective. Matched up now for the first time for the first time in his career, he doesn't have to play with dead weight Eli Manning. He's playing with <laughs> a hyper accurate ascending young quarterback. And I think that could really turn out to be something absolutely special. So yeah, I mean if there's a player that, like that could score twenty receiving touchdowns, it's Odell Beckham and it's probably nobody else right now. I I 100% agree with that. By the way, you just made a lot of people in New York really mad about saying uh, dead white Eli Manning. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about them. I don't care about them. Oh, man. They come after you, don't they? Just come back to reality. Like, don't live in a delusion. It's much better to live in the freaking real world than it is to be delusional about Eli Manning, who, like, anyone with an objective eye can see that he's not good anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. Give All me right, a break. <laughs> so Tex and I have been talking a lot about best ball leagues. I actually just did an article for a best ball mock draft for this best ball championship. $3.5 million, guys. If you're a fantasy football fan, and I know that you are because you're listening to this, right? And you want to be a millionaire, you can do it in 16 weeks with the best ball championship on draft. Again, $3.5 million. That's freaking huge. Number one gets a million dollars. And here's how best ball works. It's season long, but with no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players automatically get started and you'll get your best score every week guaranteed. No salary caps. You play live in a real snake draft, just like the one you play with in your friends in a season long league. There's no better place to play than draft and you can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes so you can join one right now. 
Just do the draft and you can be a millionaire 16 weeks later. It doesn't get any easier than that. Join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in the app or Play Store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on Draft.com. Whatever you want. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code FANTASYPROS. So Tags mentioned that he's got Juju in that second tier. Um, I think it's fair to put the first four in a tier and then Thomas and Hill in the next tier. I'm a little bit lower on Juju Smith-Schuster. I love the talent. I'm not sure what's going to happen when he moves outside and Antonio Brown's gone. Uh, the double teams are off Antonio Brown. And, and the defenses are focusing on Juju. So I've got him uh, down as my wide receiver eight. Matt, how high are you on Juju? Yeah, I have him right around the same area, eight or nine. Um, and the the thing is here, like, yeah, I, I think overall the bigger issue for him is that I don't think Pittsburgh is going to throw as much this year. Um, I still think he is going to push, you know, a guy that could push to lead the NFL in targets. Right now I have him in that 150 range, um, you know, which is certainly super high. The, the thing is, like as you mentioned, I think it's worth a discussion as to – what the Steelers' offense is going to look like without Antonio Brown, because I believe that is like a cataclysmic level loss. I think Brown is one of the best receivers to ever play the game. I think he is one of the like I think the like the aspect of double coverage and defensive attention gets thrown around too often. But I think Brown is one of the players that it actually matters for. Like he is a true coverage dictator, and he has been over the course of the last five years. So I think losing a player like that in your offense is a big deal. Um, and again, just the fact that Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of natural replacements. However, I think volume-wise, that's going to keep Juju afloat, and he's still a clear wide receiver one, and I don't think there's an argument to be made about that. But I think if you're going to pick nits or whatever, I think there is a discussion to have there about that, and that's why I'd have a guy like Tyreek Hill or Michael Thomas, one of these guys over him. I mean, I really think, like, Brown and Juju, right? Like Antonio Brown in Oakland and Juju, you know, toe injury notwithstanding or whatever, foot injury notwithstanding, I think those two guys are pretty close. Yeah, I've got Brown and Cooper ahead of him. Now, if anything does happen with Brown's foot, I'll move him down below Juju. Um, But Tags, you love Juju. Let me ask you this, okay? The Steelers threw the ball 675 times last year. Only four teams threw the ball over 600. Over under 590 passes for Big Ben and the Steelers this year. I think that's a good number, actually, because um, their defense has definitely gotten a little bit better. Trading up for Bush was huge. So you would say they're probably dropping 85 pass attempts, right? It's possible. Uh, but yeah, but losing Brown obviously drops, what, 170 targets off the table, too. Uh, Jesse James lost some targets. Um, like, I, I, Juju is going to be above 150. Like, it's rare to say that about a wide receiver. And while we, we do wonder about his efficiency and will it be the same, uh, I have my concerns about Ben Roethlisberger without Antonio Brown as well. He's dropping in my rankings fast. But when you're searching for those wide receiver ones in this territory, you could argue that Juju probably belongs in the next tier with guys like Antonio Brown. Brown, Keenan Allen and Mike Evans because these are all guys that you know are the the number one receivers in their team you may have concerns about their quarterback about the the total volume of the offense but in the end you're searching for guys that can get near that 10 target per game mark and we know Juju is going to be there there was only seven wide receivers in the league last year who averaged double digit targets and Juju was obviously you know one of those guys so I think he's one of the safe floor picks I don't know if he has the upside to finish in that top tier like Michael Thomas and Tyreek do though who has the most upside in this, uh, what I would call the second tier? Antonio Brown, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Evans, and some people would put Adam Thielen in there. What do you think, Matt? 
Uh, would you put Keenan Allen in that group too? I I would. I would too. He's very yeah. He's he's really close. I, I think I probably would. And uh, and Brandon Cooks and Stephon Diggs if we're doing Allen. Yeah, th- uh, those guys are not in Same. The, the last two that you mentioned. Well, maybe Diggs, but definitely not Cooks. But I I think I think the, of that group probably the the guy that you would look at is I mean it's probably Antonio Brown because we know that he has elite upside as a player. I think he also has pretty elite t- uh, target upside as well in that offense. But again, the health issue is is something that we have to track. So he'd probably be my guess. Also, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out Mike Evans only because, like, we are all in on Chris Godwin as a breakout player. We are all in on O.J. Howard as an ascending tight end. Um, I think there's a possibility that the reasons that we're excited about those two guys just, you know, absolutely pushes uh, Mike Evans to go wild this year. So I think those two are probably the ones that, in terms of upside, I think it's probably those two players. I would agree with you that it's Mike Evans. Uh, well, you mentioned him as a possibility, but 2016, he was the number one fantasy wide receiver. Yeah. Now, granted, it took 12 touchdowns to do it, um, and it wasn't as big of a year for anybody else, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mike Evans gets 14, 15 touchdowns in this offense. Now, I love Chris Godwin, too. You posted something, uh, which I thought was a really great question on Twitter, Matt. You said... Uh, I think I know what you're talking about, right? Like, it was about what's something that you believed strongly back in the spring that you... Like a couple days in August, you don't believe anymore. That's right. Yeah. And and my answer to that was, I thought I was going to get Chris Godwin in the sixth round in every draft. And I was psyched about it. And now he's going in the fourth round. I, I can't do it. That's way too high for me. Um, and I think a lot of people are so excited about Chris Godwin that they might be forgetting just how big Evan's upside is. Well, Bobby, that's kind of like, you're kind of like all the people who replied to that tweet, like, um, Corey Coleman uh, was going to have his year, or Sammy Watkins. This was the year. Like that's kind of on you, bro. That you thought you were going to get uh, uh, Chris Godwin <laughs> sure, in round sure. six. Just like that was kind of like I replied to all those people who said like Corey Coleman. I thought this was his year. I was like, that's kind of on you, though. Like no one really made you do that. <laughs> I think that's totally fair, man. Okay, so this uh, the second tier tags. How would you round it out? So you had Juju in that first tier and Tyreek Hill as well. Would you go Evans, Brown, Hilton, Allen? Uh, I have it Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans in that in that tier, and that's a separate tier. And then you get down into Amari Cooper, Diggs, Thielen, uh, Cooks, and T.Y. Hilton. I've got T.Y. Hilton in that next tier too. And I, I, the reason I mention him in that second tier is because I'm looking at our ECR right now, and T.Y. Hilton is number 10 ahead of Amari Cooper. His ADP is number 10 as well. I don't get that. Yeah, I, I don't really understand because, uh, you know, it's, it's a very good offense. It's a safe place for T.Y. Hilton to be. He's always a wide receiver too. But I just don't really think he has that upside. I mean, how long has he been in the league? And he's been a top 10 wide receiver once. Yeah, Matt, are you worried about... So, T.Y. Hilton, I want to discuss him for a second because I'm kind of dumbfounded about it. Because obviously last year, you know, with Andrew Locke there, with him healthy, without Devin Funches, without Paris Campbell, we we didn't see T.Y. Hilton break out and like have a top five season. I'm just wondering if someone's drafting him as a number 10 receiver, what are they hoping for? Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, I think there's a lot that you can sell yourself on. Like, Andrew Locke is... Well, now, like, is he healthy? I don't know. But, like, you know, <laughs> we don't know. But, like, this this offense should be ascending. I think they're going to push to lead the NFL in pass attempts. Um, so there's a lot to get excited about there. But at the same time, yeah, I have him because I think he's a guy that's going to get around 120, like 130 targets at max because they've added a lot of new threats. It's tough to rank some of these other Colts players in the passing game. Um, even though, again, it should be overall voluminous. It's tough to kind of parse it there. So I'm, I think I'm with you there. He's not the guy that sticks out the most that we're talking about in terms of who I'm not as high on compared to everybody else, but he is a guy that I, I would have 
you know, around the Thielen, Diggs, Cooks, uh, Edelman tier. So, you know, I just mentioned that he's only finished top 10 wide receivers one time, but then I'm looking at this. Fantasy points per game last year, he was tied with Juju Smith-Schuster for number nine. That really surprises me. Now, who who is the guy then that you're uh, a little bit lower on than the consensus, Matt? I think it's Cooper to me. It's Amari Cooper um, for, for a few different reasons. The Zeke potential holdout is kind of throwing a wrench into this, but number one, I think we either way expect them to be among the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. I think their new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, is going to bring them a little bit into the future, but at the same time, I still look at them as an overall conservative offense. I don't think there's going to be a ton of volume through the air to go around. And Cooper, to me, look, yes, he flashed extremely well to end the year with Dallas. However, he has been an up-and-down, volatile player from an on-field perspective, from a statistical perspective throughout his career. He was still an up-and-down player statistically to end the year with Dallas, and that doesn't necessarily have to be his fault. That can all be on the offense's fault, but I still think that's going to be the case this year. So I think he's going to be a volatile asset. He's the guy to me, like, when I see him, like, I never click his name where he's going. I'm okay with ranking him there, but he's the guy that I never find myself drafting because I think most of these other cats going around him are going to be more consistent because we've seen them be more consistent throughout their careers. But again, not even just from a stats perspective, but from an on-field perspective. I think Cooper flashes great route running. I think he flashes great receiving ability, but I think those have been flashes and we're what we're multiple years now into Omari Cooper's career. And I think he's just kind of is where he is territory. And that's not a bad thing, but I don't think he is an elite receiver. Whereas I think a lot of these guys going around him are. So Tex, this is interesting. Uh, Cooper played, he had two really good games with the Raiders. Then he had two really good games with the Cowboys. Here's what he did his last three weeks, four receptions for 32 four receptions for 20, five receptions for 31, no touchdowns in those three games. Does that concern you? Uh, no, and the reason is is because like we saw when it, when it came playoff time, when it actually mattered, uh, they involved Cooper. And like looking at that, I mentioned at the top of the show that Tyreek Hill, uh, 50% of his performances, just 50% were wide receiver two or better. Once Amari got to the Cowboys and he played those nine games with them, he was a wide receiver two or better 45 and a half percent of the time. So yes, he absolutely, he wasn't as, he wasn't an elite wide receiver. He's not reaching Odell Beckham, Julio Jones territory, but that's not what really, that's not what's irking people about him, right? They're saying that he's just been inconsistent. I attribute a lot of that to, well, he got one target in two separate games with the Raiders, three targets in week one. Right. How are you supposed to be consistent when you when that's what that's what's happening? And that's what unfortunately what they were doing to him. So if you want to look at some positive, it's like he had a couple hundred yard games in seven regular season games with the Cowboys. Like there is upside to be had with him. So I don't know. I'm not saying that Amari Cooper is a great pick where he's going. I'm not saying he's a bad pick. I think you're you're hoping for a step forward. And that's always a risky proposition. I haven't selected Amari Cooper a lot because he does go in the third round. And I usually get a running back in that range. Um, But I can see the appeal in him, but but based on what we've seen so far, granted he's not he's probably not worth a pick around those guys. I would take someone like uh, like a Stephon Diggs probably over him. So Matt, you mentioned uh, a couple other names, and I want to ask you if if all these guys are on the board, you need a wide receiver: Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods, and Julian Edelman. Who are you taking? I think I see Thielen as a tier ahead of those guys. I'm I'm still working through my wide receiver tiers, but I think I'd see I'd see him a tier ahead of those guys, and then Cooks would be the top of the of the next group to me. Yeah, I, I've got them flip flopped. I got Cooks at eleven, Thielen at twelve, but I agree. I think they're head and shoulders above Robert Woods and Julian Edelman, who I've got down at twenty two. But you mentioned his name as potentially being in this next tier. His ADP right now is a wide receiver sixteen. His ECR 
wide receiver 16, ahead of Robert Woods in both of these cases. He's only been a top 20 wide receiver once in his career, and it was all the way back in 2013. He was wide receiver 19, and their number two receiver was Aaron Dobson. I don't know if I want to bet on a 33-year-old having the best season of his career. I mean, I understand they don't they lost a lot of targets, but uh, th- it's never who he's been. I, I don't think he's really going to take this jump. Uh, it's just like... Who the hell else is involved in New England? You know, I know that this logic can 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 befall us sometimes because it's not always foolproof. But like, geez, man, you look at that. Like, try to project that that offense right now. Like, are you giving a fifteen percent market share to like Maurice Harris? No, no. no. Like, <laughs> it's rough. Yep. So I I think that I'm still really confident in Edelman and the volume because. Outside of the running backs, he's really the only proven commodity in that receiver court right now. Yeah, sure. Tags, what do you think about Julian Edelman? Where do you have him ranked? This all has to do with understanding your roster and your expectations. Don't don't draft Julian Edelman expecting to get a wide receiver one because it's not going to happen. But I will tell you this. When Edelman's on the field, he is just as good as any wide receiver two you're going to find. So last year, the only players who, who gave you wide receiver two or better consistency than him were Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, and A.J. Green. Like, that's it, dude. Now, is that factoring when he was on the field, or is that factoring in all the games he missed, too? Yeah, he was on the field 12 games, but he's always in that range. He just lacks the upside of those elite players. That's why he's never going to make it into the top 12. But as as a wide receiver, too, I am more than happy taking Julian Edelman. I think him and Robert Woods belong in a tier together because those guys are just consistent when on the field. They may not have the elite upside of some of those guys, but if you're just looking for a consistent wide receiver, too, Edelman or Robert Woods, I'm good with those guys. All right, guys, we're going to keep going with the wide receivers here, moving to that fourth tier in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys, we're giving away a signed George Kittle San Francisco 49ers helmet. You can enter for this contest. It takes like 30 seconds at fantasypros.com slash contest. And guys, that comes to us from Pristine Auction, uh, where I get all kinds of stuff from Pristine Auction. My cave, uh, I guess my office, which is also my cave, it just loaded with stuff from Pristine Auction. I just received my Eric Crouch Nebraska Cornhuskers signed helmet, which I'm pretty pumped about. Tags, you make any purchases lately? <laughs> I was looking Looking at one, actually, I just saw that there was an AJ Green sign picture that went for uh, I think it was like thirty four bucks or something like that. And I was and it was like a big like a like a ten by twelve or eight by eleven. I can't remember. Uh, but I was debating bidding on that. But it's like I'm trying to figure out which next helmet that I want in my collection. So definitely, pristine auction is where I do all my shopping for them. Yeah, I mean, there's hundreds, sometimes thousands of items that are uh, that are bid up and given away every single day on pristineauction.com. So you're definitely going to find some good values, and everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. You don't have to pay anything until you win a bid. So sign up and use the registration code FANTASYPROS. It's going to give you $5 off uh, your first purchase. And uh, and that also tells Pristine Auction that we're sending people your way. That way we can keep doing the contests like the George Kittle one. Again, that's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. All right, so moving on to this fourth tier, this is um, a very small tier for me. I've got Robert Woods there. I would also still put A.J. Green there. Now, he might miss a lot of time, but when he comes back, I think we've got ourselves a wide receiver one. Uh, Matt, where are you ranking A.J. Green, and who else do you have in this tier? I mean, A.J. Green just to me is, right now, I'm probably just not going to draft him, you know, which sucks, which just sucks because he was like, you know, I think a couple days before he got hurt, you know, I was doing a mock for uh yahoo fantasy and like you know i just said a couple just like my blurb for him was just a, another group of 
chuckleheads that are uh, letting AJ Green slip to the third round, you know, or something like that. And then he gets hurt, and like I'm the I'm the idiot. <laughs> but I, you know, but at the same time, like yeah, he was a great pick where he was going earlier, such a good value. But the the worst possible case scenario happens right away. I'm probably just not going to draft him because number one. You just don't want to burn a roster spot for multiple weeks on a guy that isn't going to help you, especially in the early waiver wire portions. It's nice to know that at least for him, unlike for other players that, that we get caught doing this with, at least we know what we have when we when we get back. But we will not know what we have from a health perspective. So yeah, at this point, probably just going to let somebody else deal with that. It could very well be one of these cases where A.J. Green is supposedly healthy, then he's a late scratch because he's just not quite ready, or maybe he plays one week and you don't even think it's possible he's going to miss, and then he's you know, he's banged up again. Uh, these kind of things linger into the season. Now, I love his upside, and I expect to make the playoffs in my league, so I want the best possible roster going into the playoffs. I think A.J. Green's going to help me with that. Totally understand passing on him. Tags, you're passing on him too, is that right? Yeah, I have him in a, in a totally separate tier from this one. He's, I mean, he's at my number 23 wide receiver spot, but I'm not even, I don't feel great about it, honestly. Yeah. You know, I, I'm looking at ADP right now. After pick 40, I don't know who I, once Brandon Cooks is off the board, Josh Jacobs is off the board, I have no idea who I want. I'm just going to read you guys the uh, the names after this. AJ Green, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods. Philip Lindsay, Deshaun Watson, Cooper Cup, Mark Ingram, Chris Godwin, Andrew Luck, James White, Aaron Rodgers. I I don't really want to reach on any of those guys. If I have to, I'm taking AJ Green there. I don't I don't love it, but it's I think it's better than the other options. I take Woods of that group. Yeah, and, but but beyond that, I mean, it's just kind of a dead zone. Maybe I can reach for Chris Carson. Wouldn't feel great about that though. Matt, where are you at on Kenny Galladay? Like, I, I don't see the difference outside of, like, multiple rounds in ADP of taking Kenny Galladay versus, like, an Alshon Jeffrey or Allen Robinson. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Tags. He's been a guy that, like, at the fourth round cost, I'm not really wanting to pay that. And I that's a great way to look at it. I also look at it this way. Like, I can either take um, Kenny Galladay in the fourth round, you know, get the the de facto number one receiver, the likely quote-unquote target hog in a, you know, in a bad offense, an offense that I don't want to be involved in, you know, a low-volume offense, everything like that. But I'm getting the number one receiver. Or I can wait around, you know, later and get Calvin Ridley, get Chris Godwin, you know, get those type of players, you know, the, the number two in like a high flying offense. And normally I'm just always going to default, like get the top receiver. But sometimes I think when an offense could take another step forward, I'm willing to go to the next round to get guys like Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, you know, DJ Moore, some of these younger breakout guys who might not be the first option in the, in their passing game, but certainly will be really up there in terms of targets and efficiency. So I'm, I'm defaulting to those picks. And even as you mentioned, like the sixth round type guys, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Allen Robinson, good names to mention. Like all, all I see those guys as very similar. So yeah, I'm with you on that take completely. Now, I, I know a lot of people think that Kenny Galladay is definitely the number one receiver in Detroit. But I mean, 2017, Marvin Jones was a top six fantasy receiver. If you prorate his nine games out to a full season last year, wide receiver 11, while he was still healthy, his target share was higher than Kenny Galladay's. I know Kenny Galladay was great at the end of the year without Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. And he's had some big games earlier in the year. But I think Marvin Jones is still going to lead this team in targets, guys possible it's within the range of possible outcomes for sure which i don't think like like their prices don't take into account at all yeah so yeah i'm, I'm taking 
Jones where he's going much later than where Galladay's going that earlier. Yeah, Galladay right now is ADP wide receiver 17 ahead of Robert Woods. I don't understand that. Robert Woods was a top 12 wide receiver last year. He's as safe as you're going to find. Cooper Cup is, I know they're saying he's going to be back and uh, and healthy and everything. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I still think Robert Woods is the number two there. Um, now, somebody else going in this range, we talked about Chris Godwin a little bit here. Um, somebody else going into this range is Tyler Lockett. What do you think about this one, Matt? I'll uh, I'll save my comments. Uh, I mean, I, I'm totally in on Tyler Lockett at that price. Number one, love Tyler Lockett, the player. Everybody knows that. Uh, now, at the same time, obviously S- Seattle's not going to be one of the most voluminous offenses in, in the world. They're probably going to push for the NFL lead in rush attempts. However, if you look at the rest of Seattle's roster, who is there to command a great target share outside of Tyler Lockett? So, yes, the regression is coming for some of his rate stats no question, but I think he's I think he's going to get a boost in volume. I think he can push for 100 targets this year. And frankly, the team construction looks an awful lot like it has in years past, where it was Doug Baldwin as the top receiver, and now it's just Tyler Lockett, who I think is he was wildly efficient last year because he's freaking good at the game, you know. So to me, I'm totally cool with if we were cool with Doug Baldwin as like a fourth round pick a few years ago. I'm totally cool with Tyler Lockett in that range. And in fact, he probably has a higher weekly ceiling because he's just more of a big play threat. So yeah, I'm totally cool with Lockett where he's going. He's a top 20, top 24 type receiver to me. Tags, what do you think about this, man? I have Lockett at 26. So my issue with Lockett, I would I would much rather have him as my wide receiver three and hope for wide receiver two production out of him. And I understand the Baldwin, uh, the like the parallels between him and Baldwin, how he's going to play the slot like Baldwin did. My, my issue is that, like, it's kind of like you mentioned, there's pros and cons, right? Lockett is more of like, he's more of a big play threat than Doug Baldwin was, but he's also not quite the separator that Baldwin was. And he's also not built like Baldwin was to maybe take some of those bigger hits. 170 pounds. Over the middle of the field. That's my concern about Lockett, is that he's a guy that went from 4.4 targets last year in, in an offense where they were lacking wide receivers. To, let's be honest, they were lacking receivers then. You know, Brandon Marshall was getting targets. Like, David Moore coming off the street, essentially, uh, getting targets. And Baldwin was never himself last year, so I, I think they could have shifted more to Lockett last year. So to know that he kept out at, like, 71 targets, that's worrisome. It reminds me a little bit, I mean, Lockett, Lockett is a better football player than Chris Hogan, but it reminds me of last year when we were trying to project Chris Hogan into a bigger role in the Patriots offense, especially when Edelman was suspended at the start of the year. It was like, oh, you know, this is a guy that was so efficient with the Patriots, and we were, we were hoping to see more targets, and he was just never a guy that got him. I like Lockett, the football player, but I don't know if he's meant for 100 targets in, you know, taking that beating over the middle of the field where it's like last year was like a perfect role for him. Maybe he would like to see an increase to like 85 targets or somewhere in that range. But again, that's why I would much rather have him as my wide receiver three and kind of hope for that upside that we got with Doug Baldwin. You know, I've got luck at wide receiver 29. I don't really need to uh, echo a lot of the stuff Tag said. And there, there's more, but I've talked about it on pretty much every podcast. So we can keep moving on to Cooper Cup coming off the ACL. And Tags, I know you're not worried about ACLs. I'm going to remind everyone again, a couple guys who tore their ACL in 2017, Dalvin Cook, fantasy disappointment in 2018. Allen Robinson, fantasy disappointment in 2018. Carson Wentz, fantasy disappointment in 2018. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative with Cooper Cup. Now, I think he has quite a bit of upside. I think that's a little bit underrated, but uh, I'm not so sure that he's going to be ready to roll. Matt, what do you think? Do you trust him? Yeah, I mean, we've gotten some good news. Like, 
out of the Rams camp. It seems like he's going to be 100%, which is pretty shocking considering how recent the ACL tear. Um, yeah, I, I really like the fact that he is going to be back there. I mean, I, I think his role is just so great. Like, no one plays a role like Cooper Cup does at the wide receiver position. You know, in reception perception, he faced zone coverage on 69% of his sampled routes last year. That's the most I've ever charted for any receiver over the last five years. He only saw press coverage on 9.7% of his attempts. Like, it's just such a layup receiver role that I'm I'm kind of in on him where he goes. I've started to warm to him more now that the injury news has been more positive. Frankly, I've, I've been more excited to draft him in his range than, than I am drafting Robert Woods where he goes, even though I like Woods better uh, overall as a player. Uh, well, I'm looking back at what Cooper Cup did in the first seven weeks and 12.7 fantasy points in a standard league tied with A.J. Green ahead of Robert Woods, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, Julio Jones. Did you guys know John Brown was in the top 10 at that time last year? I'll never let that go, so yes. <laughs> oh, man, I totally forgot about that, guys. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, too, by the way. Emmanuel Sanders was was wide receiver number five after week seven last yeah, year. Matt and I are brothers in arms on John Brown and his talent. It's just uh, unfortunate situations have let him down the draft board this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Tags, I was thinking you were just going to be sitting there sweating, hoping I didn't bring up the Beat Tags contest. But, uh, you know, you brought it up. You're, you're handling this loss all right. This is not even cool, man. <laughs> I, I, uh, I I liked my team. I've, I've already had people reaching out to me telling me that my team was good. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. And sometimes the experts just don't agree with me. I saw one comment in there after your uh, C-plus was revealed. And the guy said, Bobby would have got a 97 tags. Is this fact or fiction? <laughs> It's probably a fact, honestly, with the way things went today. I would have cheated. I would have done whatever so no one would beat me, man. <laughs> probably something like that. <laughs> hey, guys, if you want to check out these videos, we're doing all kinds of fun videos and, and really useful videos. If you, you know, we want to help you win your leagues this year. And one of those ways is to put forward uh, fun videos for you to watch. You can check it out at YouTube.com slash Fantasy Pros. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any notifications for all kinds of future content that we're going to put out. All right, guys, a couple other people in this tier. I'm just going to give you guys uh, five names. We don't need to cover every single player just because, you know, if we're going to get through 60 guys, we've got to take uh, some shortcuts. So just tell me the guys that stand out to you as, as values, Matt, and that stand out to you as I don't really want them in this range. DJ Moore, Alshon Jeffrey, Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson. I'm just reading based on ECR right now. I'm kind of in on all those names, actually. I, I think Tyler Boyd is the one that, like, he is very team dependent uh, because I, I really only want him as a floor pick because I do believe the ceiling on this offense will be so depressed without AJ Green. You know, um, I think that you generally don't want to run your offense through a player like Tyler Boyd. So I see him more as a floor pick than a ceiling pick. But in that range, I think you can construct a, a perfectly reasonable team. So it just depends on who else I've taken at wide receiver, whether I'm going to take on some of these guys. But frankly, I think I'm kind of in on all of these guys at cost. You know, Tex, I've been drafting a wide receiver in this range quite a bit. Uh, now, Boyd's the, the one that I'm not drafting. But besides that, I, I like Alshon. I, I like Calvin Ridley fine. I really like Allen Robinson. I've got him in my top 20. Is Allen Robinson your favorite of this group, too? Uh, yeah, I'd probably say Robinson is the top of that group. Uh, Alshon's right there with him, though. I mean, those guys are hand-in-hand. Hand. I think those guys are like 120-target type guys that you can get at a massive discount. Um, the one that I'm kind of out on in this group is it's not because he's not a good talent. It's DJ Moore. It's because I just feel like there's so many options that offense. I don't know what his target ceiling is. Like Curtis Samuel was actually a more consistent fantasy option last year. And Curtis Samuel has been flashing all over camp. Curtis Samuel is a fantastic talent. He's also been in the league. This will be his third year. Whereas Moore's coming into the second year. There's so many things to like about Curtis Samuel. So why don't I take the discount on Curtis Samuel and just pass on DJ Moore for someone like Calvin Ridley? 
I feel like this range, um, night 18, Kenny Galladay, all the way down to 28, Mike Williams. I would put Corey Davis and, and Dante Pettis in there as well, maybe Marvin Jones. I feel like that group is so close together that I, I don't want to take one of these guys at the top, Lockett, Cup, Godwin, DJ Moore. I'd rather wait down and see who falls to me. Whether it's Calvin Ridley, great. Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, even better. Uh, I just think this is a really big tier. What about Mike Williams, Matt? Uh, Mike Williams is—he's another guy that like I like theoretically. I would rank him, you know, kind of around where he's going. That's fine. I'm in on that. But at the same time, he is a guy that I don't find myself drafting very often because of I just like other players around him where he's going. So it's not necessarily like oh I'm out on Mike Williams or whatever. It's just the fact that there are so many guys around him that I prefer. You know, we mentioned the Allen Robinson type. So even guys later than that, that it's, it's just a kind of this, or, this or that sort of thing with Mike Williams. I like his ceiling, of course, but I'm a little concerned about his floor with Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler all there. I know they lost Tyrell Williams, but getting Hunter Henry back and getting Mike Williams on the field full time, this Chargers wide receiver core is just stacked and Philip Rivers, he's getting older. He can only do so much. So Tags, I, I, why don't you defend Mike Williams? Because I know you're a big truther here. Like, I, I like Mike Williams, but here's the th- do, you, do you like him more than Calvin Ridley? Oh, I think that, well, they're they're like literally right next to each other in my rankings. Um, I would say Ridley's probably safer. I think Williams has a higher ceiling without injury um, because I think Ridley would need an injury to Julio in order to get into that, like, you know, even touch that top 12, whereas Mike Williams might not necessarily need it if he's like the red zone guy, if he turns into that Gates that, you know, like maybe the Hunter Henry doesn't come back the same player. It's tough to say, but... Like this is a this is a range in the draft where it's just like you kind of have to take your shots and I'm with I'm with Matt on this where I'm getting Alshon Jeffrey and Allen Robinson cheaper so I don't end up with a whole lot of Mike Williams just because of that there is risk associated with him for sure but can we talk about for a second the effect about these holdouts like so if Melvin Gordon holds out do the Chargers run the ball as much if Ezekiel Elliott holds out do the Cowboys run the ball as much? You know, I think that the, but we have to take both of those situations into consideration where it's like if Melvin Gordon is an official holdout, I do believe that the Chargers throw the ball more than they would have if Melvin Gordon were actually healthy. It's also worth noting, too, that the running backs inhale so much volume and like Eckler and Gordon were both getting passing game volume last year. If you remove just Gordon from the equation, that that is more targets to go around. So I think that's actually a really good point to make about Mike Williams. Who else would you guys sneak into the back end of this tier? I said Corey Davis, Dante Pettis, and Marvin Jones. Uh, Matt, who would you put in? From a production perspective, like there are other questions to ask with him. Number one being injury, but Will Fuller, I think, deserves to be in this tier. Like from a pure production perspective, right? Because if you project Will Fuller out, I think there's a lot to really like about him in this offense. So he's a guy that I think you could sneak in there. Um, also, uh, Christian Kirk, I think, belongs in this group as well. He's a sixth-round pick to me. Um, I think that he, Larry Fitzgerald, and David Johnson will absolutely dominate volume in that offense, you know, where everybody's like, hey, is Keyshawn Johnson for real? Uh, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler. It's like, no, probably not. Kevin White starting right now, by the way, on their depth chart. <laughs> yeah, like, give me a break. Like, all that all that says to me is that these rookies probably aren't ready to contribute right away. So I'm in on Kirk. I'm in on Fitzgerald. I'm in on David Johnson from this offense. So those guys are in there to me. And Curtis Samuel and, and Robbie Anderson are also guys that I think are not quite in that tier. But, like, this next tier is kind of just stocked with guys. Because even Dante Pettis I could make an argument. So, yeah, there's a lot to like at the wide receiver position in this group. Tags, who are you throwing into the back end of this uh, fourth or fifth tier? I think I'm on an island when I say that I have Larry Fitzgerald ranked higher than Christian Kirk. 
and I don't think I've I, I don't think I've heard anybody else say that. And I don't. Oh, I do too. I, I I'm just taking like the the proven production. Whereas Kirk, I I like Kirk as a player. I don't know if I want to trust him over Fitzgerald, a guy that came back for last year. Like he's a veteran. I have a feeling that you know Kyler Murray needs to learn to love Larry Fitzgerald because like the dude's just dependent. Corey Davis is someone that I might throw in this tier. Um, everything that we're hearing out of Tennessee is that there's nobody even close to him uh, as a receiver. I don't necessarily feel that. I, I don't feel the need to. You can't change your mind on our bet, by the way. No, I don't feel the need to draft him, though, because I still don't like Marcus Mariota. I still don't like that offense very much. So that's why I won't end up with much of him. But I do think that he potentially belongs close to that tier. Now, Matt, you like uh, you like Will Fuller. Does Kiki QT concern you at all? I mean, he had a, he had a target on 16 percent of his snaps last year. Well, uh, Will Fuller was down at 12%, plus he's coming back from the ACL. I think Will Fuller's the wide receiver three on this team. I don't think he's wide receiver three on this team, but I think that Kiki Cutie is certainly a player to uh, to be excited about. And yeah, I mean, really, I think this all leads back to Deshaun Watson, too, as a guy that I'm, I'm certainly buying. So yeah, this this whole Houston passing game, I think, is stocked with talents that are, are very diverse and, and different from each other. And Deshaun Watson only threw 505 pass attempts last year. So we're trying to find targets for everyone. How about they just bump their pass attempts 50 and then everyone gets a share? Well, they also don't target their tight ends or running backs. So that actually, that, that really does help. So if there's any team that could probably produce it, it's probably them. Uh, and they're, they're secondary. Let's not pretend that their secondary is any good. Um, they need that pass rush up front. So if there's an injury, that secondary is going to get crushed. I've been defending Fuller on the show a little bit, saying if you have him as your wide receiver three, you'll live with the ups and downs in order to get the upside he presents. All right, guys, this next uh, tier five, we're not going to go through every player. I just want you guys to tell me if you're in, in round seven or eight, who are you targeting to the wide receiver position, Matt? Round seven to eight. Yeah, I mean, that's Curtis Samuel territory to me, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love I love Curtis Samuel. He's been a reception perception uh, by this all this whole offseason. 94th percentile success rate versus man coverage. I think this Panthers offense, I'm really just bullish on the whole unit because I think it has a chance to be better than at any other point in the Cam Newton era. Yes, it's, it's certainly worth looking at Cam's past history as a passer, whatever. Um, and you're, I tags is right to bring up the idea that, oh, yeah, the, the, his rushing floor could certainly be taken away. But if you look at this collection, like people comparing the Carolina skill position groups of the past to this iteration, like give me a break. Like, yeah, Carolina has maybe never had two top 40 fantasy receivers. Yeah, well, no wonder. they Philly Brown and, and Jericho Cotri weren't both popping <laughs> off at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's stunning. So yeah, I mean he's a, he's a big buy to me in this area, um, and and I have not been thinking twice about it. I'm not going to be shocked at all if he starts running the ball this year too. I mean, remember he was a kind of a running back in college as well, and uh, he can break those big plays. They're still going to cut down on Christian McCaffrey's workload a little bit. I love Curtis Samuel as well. I don't have a ton of shares just because I think he'll be a little bit more volatile than he was last year. Uh, and there's a couple other guys I mentioned. I, Kiki QT, I'm getting him a ton. Uh, Golden Tate, I wouldn't mind getting. I'm not sure if the suspension is going to be held up, but when he comes back, I think he's going to be a safe source for targets. But Curtis Samuel, yeah, I mean this Panthers team, it's my favorite team to watch. They've got so many playmakers i think cam newton's probably my favorite player to watch in the nfl do we pass over like sammy watkins and jarvis landry territory yeah i mean i guess some people would sneak them into that back end of the fourth range but none of us did uh, i mean i've been passing love. them in every draft that i've done so why not just yeah. pass them up on this show <laughs> <laughs> wide receiver 26 adp for landry wide receiver 31 for watkins i'm not interested guys i've got them 35 and 37 i am 30 and 31 i don't think they're i mean like watkins is kind of like the the will fuller for me where it's like okay like he's tied to an elite quarterback he's the number two option there he's gonna have some big weeks you'll live with the ups and downs and Landry while he's not going to see the target volume he did last year his efficiency is going to go up because he's no longer seeing the top tier uh cornerbacks in the league so and he's not asked to be the number one he's going to go back to the slot 
uh, while Callaway or Richard Higgins plays in the perimeter. So Landry, I, th- I think Landry is someone that I actually didn't like at the start of the offseason. And I've kind of come around to the idea, if you're looking for stability, like let's say that you're, you know, you're building your roster, you have massive upside in the early rounds and you've maybe taken some risk. And if you're looking for some consistency in that like wide receiver three territory, I think Landry's fine. All right. So Tags, who do you want in the seventh or eighth round if you need a wide receiver? You go in Toronto or Allison here? I mean, Sterling Shepard is someone that, I mean, he's falling in drafts and um, he's like the, the only wide receiver on the roster. It's not like he's a sexy pick. He's not but he's fine. Like I, I have concerns about him moving to the perimeter, but if golden Tate's going to miss four weeks, maybe he doesn't move to the perimeter. So Shepard is like, again, I'm searching for like volume with those guys. Like I feel like in that, in that tier, I feel like you don't need to reach for guys that you're hoping to break out like an Anthony Miller. So I'll take Sterling Shepard and then maybe take Anthony Miller, um, Curtis Samuel, guys like that in the next tier. And we can make fun of Eli Manning, but the situation is they're going to be playing from behind. And last year in the same situation, he was QB fantasy 16. Um, He's going to get his and Sterling Shepard's going to be the guy that leads that team in targets until Golden Tate's back. Um, Okay, late round targets. This is how we'll end the show. Matt, why don't you give us three or four names that you you are targeting later in drafts? I've been in on Tyrell Williams uh, late in drafts, especially best ball. I think that makes total sense to me. Um, I'll group the Miami receivers all together, be- except for Devontae Parker, of course. Like I'm talking Kenny, St- I'm talking Kenny Stills, I'm talking Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson because I think it's going to be a cheap place to find volume. Uh, because I think obviously they will be throwing a lot, a lot of negative game scripts. Of course, we mentioned John Brown earlier, 100% back in on John Brown um, because I think, look, he's, again, especially for best ball leagues, he's perfect. He's been shining in training camps. I think that the fact that he and Josh Allen will work pretty well together. Yeah, so all in all, I really like him as a player. And then one last one that I'll mention, I've kind of started to warm back up to Emmanuel Sanders because reports are that he's healthy he's out there and he's an absolutely dirt cheap source of like a hundred possible targets in this offense because i think if he's back there he's the lead receiver again uh by a mile compared to Cortland sutton and and i like deshaun hamilton but even still then i think sanders is the clear guy you know i i have not even considered sanders at all at this point because of past achilles injuries I mean, I had my, I tore my Achilles and it sucks really bad, but he does look pretty good. And he was amazing last year before he got hurt. Tags, you changed your mind on Sanders at all? I am not. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't think you were going to budge, man. <laughs> until I see, until I see modern medicine fix Achilles and like someone come back and be like a, a player. And I don't, it's not that I want to trust anybody tied to Joe Flacco anyways. Flacco's never, like he just doesn't support consistent fantasy options. Vic Fangio is going to be a, a boring head coach. I, th- I think his defense will be good. Um, but I think they're going to want to run the ball even more than they did last year. I, I'm not, I don't want to invest in any Broncos receivers. So tags, who are your late round picks that you like, uh, besides Devonte Parker? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I told you guys, by the way, Devonte Parker is going after Albert Wilson and Kenny Steele's. He's the number three Miami receiver off the board. <laughs> Anthony Miller is definitely one that I like a lot. And, um, I've wound up with him more often than not. Um, just because I, I, as I mentioned, you know, playing in the slot has its benefits and year two playing without a dislocated shoulder every other week, uh, playing without a broken foot, like Anthony Miller, they had a lot of things stacked against him, but he was still really, really efficient, uh, in his rookie year. So I definitely like him. Uh, if you're looking for like pure upside, it's like a different conversation. Uh, like, like a Marquise Brown, I compared him to Deshaun Jackson coming out of school. I don't think Lamar Jackson is like ready to support a consistent fantasy wide receiver, but you know, if he does grow as a passer, his skill set fits what Marquise Brown does. Um, like if you give Marquise, if there's a couple seconds, like a cornerback has to hang with him, good luck. And Lamar Jackson could buy some time. Uh, James Washington 
I liked him coming out of school. He can track the deep ball very well. Um, he's still he's battling with Dante Moncrief for that number two spot in Pittsburgh. And But if you're looking for a safe option, I'm going to throw this out there, and I'm going to sound like the most boring individual. And it kind of fits because I'm like the old man of the show that um, is just too logical for everything. I'm going to say that Mohamed Sanu is is like one of the most unappreciated fantasy receivers in like the history of me playing fantasy football. Like the guy is consistently a top 35 receiver and it's not because he had like one big week or two. It's like, because he's just boring production. Like it's like, he's kind of like a, a Larry Fitzgerald light. And, and if something were to happen to Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu would suddenly become an every week starter. So I like Mohamed Sanu as like a late round pick. If you're just looking for some safety or a guy that you could plug into a flex every now and then, I like Sanu. It's funny you said that because I was going to say Mohamed Sanu. I also like Jamison Crowder as a safe week by week, uh, you know, wide receiver five that you can plug in in, in by weeks or in case of injuries. Obviously, I love David Moore. I've hyped him up quite a bit. I'm going to draft Josh Gordon as well. I don't know when he's coming back, if he's coming back at all. But you know what? If he doesn't come back, I'm just going to drop him and pick someone else up. And if he does come back, I might get 1,200 yards. That's what he was on pace for last year in the games that he uh, played more than 50% of the snaps. And I think that he would feast in this offense where you talked about, Matt. Uh, Julian Edelman has, you know, no competition for targets. Matt, where are you at on Josh Gordon? Like, would you draft him right now? Oh, God. Yeah, I know. That's, that's <laughs> how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. I mean, I will admit to have maybe taking him like in the very final round of a best ball draft once. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'll cop to it. Because, you know, listen, we all like to dream, right? I mean, the reality of the situation is that there's just not a lot going on in New England, as we've mentioned before on this podcast. And also, you know, the Patriots have kind of seemed to keep their tabs on Gordon this offseason keep him kind of, you know, just a little bit closer than arm's length. So there's certainly enough that you can do. Look, people are, are connecting far, far, farther apart dots these days and conspiracy theories here and there. So I think that you can certainly look at that and be like, okay, maybe Josh Gordon is something. So I don't know, maybe, but God, I'm <laughs> shocked we're here again. So guys, somebody's going to be catching the ball in Washington. And this is the last question I want to ask Matt. Who's the wide receiver one there? Is it Trey Quinn? Is it Josh Doxson? Is it Paul Richardson? Someone else? Jordan Reed, man. Jordan Reed right now, like, I'm wrong position. I get it. But, like, Jordan Reed is the guy that I – is the only guy that I really want in this passing game aside from super late shares of Trey Quinn, um, who I do think could be a viable, you know, 50-60 catch slot receiver. Not interested in Doxson. Not interested in Terry McLaurin. I think that this offense is just going to stink. But Reed is the proven – look, again, I, I'm just talking about buying in on Josh Gordon again. I can certainly buy in on jo or Jordan Reed at a position that's just bereft of reliable options. And he's not reliable, but he is coming off a healthy season for the most part and was quietly productive last year. No one seems to care. He's, he's absolutely, like, completely free, and he has top 10 upside at the tight end position, which, again, is just – bereft of reliable options right now i'll tell you what that is such a good answer matt that's a good way to end the show man <laughs> talk about those talk about a tight end on a wide receiver <laughs> show i agree great way to end it all right matt thanks again for taking the time to join us i know it's a really busy month so we do appreciate it my pleasure guys and guys give matt a, a follow on twitter at matt Harmon underscore byb i'm at bobby fantasy pro and tags is at mike Teglier nfl all right and thanks to the sponsors of today's show pristineauction.com that's p-r-i-s-t-i-n-e auction.com make sure to enter that registration code fantasy pros all one word to get five dollars off and sign up for the george kittle helmet giveaway at fantasypros.com slash contest also be sure to download the draft app by typing draft into the app or play store or just going to draft.com 
and use the promo code FANTASYPROS for free entry into the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship Draft. And make sure to check out our cheat sheet creator at fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. For Mike Tagliere and Matt Harmon, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.